brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Of radio. This podcast contains adult content. Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible, and foul. Socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now. And if not, just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. Welcome, everybody, to Mysterious Circumstances, and I have Jen Buchholz on the on the line here, and we're going to get an update on the Rebecca Gold case, and I'm sure plenty of people are looking forward to some more details into the Zodiac suspect or the possibility of a new suspect and some of the investigation and maybe some info on, the, on some of the case breakers. Jen, welcome. <laughs> Thanks so much. It's been a minute since we recorded together, but it's it's good to be back on your show. I appreciate you having me. Oh, it's no problem. Um, yeah, I think it's been a couple years, and now you're all beefed mm-hmm. up with podcast <laughs> stuff, like microphones, and I love it, though. You're like, oh, I got podcast stuff. It's cool now. And it's like, oh, well. Yeah, right <laughs> yeah thanks to my, my employer, American Military University. They have supplied me with <laughs> quite a setup of podcast equipment, which is not a direction I ever expected to go, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's working out pretty well all around. Now that is that is awesome. Do you want to tell people who you are and what what you do? Because I know there's a lot of people that everybody's seeing your name in the news right now, and you're the one getting a lot of barrage of of everything involving the zodiac. So, is there any way you can elaborate on what you do? Sure. Well, I'm an army veteran. I was a counterintelligence agent in the military. 
uh, served in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I now teach forensics and criminal justice at the university level at American Military University. And I have master's degrees in both of those. Um, I'm also an advisor for our university's cold case team, which is comprised of faculty and student volunteers uh, trying to you know, bring some resolution to unsolved homicides around the country. And if we have time, I can talk a little bit about the case that we're currently working on. Yeah, of course. I'm also a licensed private investigator, and I do some investigative journalism as well for the university. So that's a little overview <laughs> of myself. <laughs> yeah. And Jen, I admire you so much. And I know um, we've been in contact since Rebecca's case we got an arrest and I guess I'm curious to know how all that's going. We really haven't seen much in the news since the arrest uh, or after the extradition. Everything just kind of uh, stopped. And, you know, for law enforcement reasons, I understand they're not putting much out there, but we still have curious minds. I'm one of them. Absolutely. (laughs) Me too. I think we have (laughs) literally more questions than we have answers since the arrest. But basically, last November, a guy named William Miller was arrested for the murder of Rebecca He was located in Oregon at the time, which is why he ended up being extradited to Arkansas. William Miller is the cousin of Casey McCullough. And Casey was the boyfriend of Rebecca at the time of her death, and she was killed inside his home. Naturally, a lot of questions are still coming up about his knowledge or involvement, but those have yet to be answered. But hopefully at trial in February, we'll get, get some more insight into exactly what went down. But unfortunately, the Arkansas State Police has been really tight-lipped. They released a shoddy probable cause statement, which really didn't include hardly any kind of information or evidence. All it had was a rehashing of a supposed confession that William made to the investigator during his interrogation. And even the, the information contained in that statement doesn't make any sense. And some of it doesn't even add up to the the science that we know, like the science behind Rebecca's injuries. So I'm not sure what their, their strategy was on releasing that document that's clearly very incomplete. I guess they were trying to, I, I don't know, get the public to stop hassling them or something. But anyways, again, we're waiting on answers. Next month in November, November 5th and 8th, there's a pretrial hearing scheduled. And then November 16th, 17th, 18th, there's a suppression hearing scheduled, which is where William's lawyers are going to try to get his confession thrown out or ruled inadmissible in court. And I plan to go to both of those so I can provide, hopefully, provide some updates after those hearings. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Awesome. The, the crazy thing about William Miller is that he was a part of the Facebook group that George Jared and I have for Rebecca's case. And He joined shortly after we created the group in 2019. He joined under his real name. We knew who he was at the time, meaning we knew that he was Casey's cousin when he joined, but we had never heard anything about him possibly being in the state of Arkansas at the time of Rebecca's murder. So we didn't, you know, we kept an eye on him, but we just thought he was collecting information to give to Casey. But he was interacting with other members of the group and posting on topics. And then he was messaging me directly. So it was it was, uh, it was a little surreal and strange when we heard that he was the one who was arrested because he was hiding in plain sight, essentially. That is pretty wild. I did not know that. <laughs> that mm-hmm. is yeah. pretty weird. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> pretty bold on his part, I guess. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's as weird as it sounds. Sometimes that's how it goes. Yeah, we obviously were doing the most investigating and 
even though George and I, you know, there's many, many things that will never be made public. But I guess he thought by being on the Facebook group, maybe he could get some insight into what direction we were heading. So moving forward, what, well, actually, before we get to the Zodiac stuff, what are you working on now? Right now, George and I have teamed up again, uh, along with, you know, some other volunteers, like I said, and we're working on the unsolved murder of Debbie Sue Williamson, who was killed in Lubbock, Texas in 1975. Um, Debbie was uh, stabbed 17 times outside the back door of her home. In 1984, a guy named Henry Lee Lucas falsely confessed to her murder, along with hundreds of others. Um, Listeners can go watch a show called The Confession Killer on Netflix. And in episodes two and five, you'll see some information about Debbie's case. Her mom and sister were interviewed, and they're on the documentary. Um, Unfortunately, her mom has since passed away. But her sister, Liz, is the one that we're working most closely with in terms of family members. But... We also have Debbie's widowed husband on board with us and her stepsister, Paula. And actually, the Lubbock PD has been pretty cooperative and willing to collaborate. So that's a nice change. Uh, yeah, that's a real <laughs> um, nice change of we're pace. We're not used to that. <laughs> <laughs> we're not used to that. But um, I've written a series of articles on Debbie's case. I have seven articles so far. If listeners go to AMU Edge which is our university like online news magazine, essentially. You can Google Debbie's name or my name, and then you can find those seven articles and get a lot more insight into the known facts and my analysis of them. And then I'm also co-producing with AMU a new podcast called Break the Case. And the the season that we're recording right now is on Debbie's case. So listeners will be given kind of a, a front seat ride along with me and George as we conduct this investigation. And I'm hoping that the first episode will be out next Friday, which would be October 15th. Look for that. Yeah, look for that on the 15th called Break the Case. So that's that's the current case we're working on. And if you guys want to follow along with us online on social media, we have a Facebook group for Debbie, and it's called Unsolved Murder of Deborah Sue Williamson. So we encourage everybody to join, you know, because crowdsourcing worked really well in Rebecca's case, and we want to do that again. And it's, it's already working well press and debbies we've connected with a lot of people who knew her so it's been great that is awesome i'm looking forward to that podcast i know it's gonna be good i know you do good work and if you ever want to come back on and talk about more stuff you can always invite george if he's welcome anytime as well so okay i'm sure he'd love to yeah all right (laughs) all right so wednesday this huge bomb drops and I get, I get all this stuff sent to me. It's a headline. And the only thing on the headline I, I see is, uh, you know, the, the case breakers solved the Zodiac case. And I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm like, man, I'm get, I think I'm going to open this up and, and take a gander at it. And of course, one of the only names I see that are in quotations <laughs> is you <laughs> getting interviewed right. about it. So I re- I sent that text to you and I'm like, is there another congratulations in order right now or what? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, you elaborated quite a bit on what was actually going on. And unfortunately, we know how the media works. They have the headlines for sure. clickbait. And yes. I know that's how that works. So when I was reading through it, I was sitting there and I'm like, they're not, there's nothing in here that says we solved it. Correct. We did not make that claim. And people started losing their minds. You know, it's nobody in in particular, but there's a lot of people who have invested a lot of time and they're like, I've never even heard of this guy. This is blah, blah, blah. I guess, can you elaborate 
on who the case breakers are and like what exactly they do when it involves cold cases? Yeah, so <clears throat> the case breakers started about a decade ago, actually, with just a few members, and we've grown to about 40 or 45 now. It's an all-volunteer, nonprofit organization. Nobody takes a salary, not even Tom Colbert, the head of it. But all 40 volunteers are or have expertise in various areas of either law enforcement, um, intelligence analysis, forensics, you know, different backgrounds like that. And so we all have our own areas of expertise that we contribute to different cases. Um, we did not go searching for the Zodiac case. It was actually <laughs> brought to me and we'll get into that in a minute. But um, right now we're, we're trying to, we are vetting more volunteers. We've had over 200 people contact us in the last 48 hours wanting to join. And, you know, we're sifting through that now and trying to figure out the best way to manage all of those um, potential volunteers. But uh, really our vision is to have teams in various ge geographical areas around the country that can help tackle some of the 250,000 unsolved homicides in our country and offer up our expertise and services to collaborate with the investigating authorities on those cases. Because this is no fault of law enforcement at all. They're never going to catch up with 250,000 unsolved homicides, they just don't have the manpower. And so <clears throat> we're really trying to bridge the gap between quote unquote civilians and law enforcement and you know, create or get involved in collaboration opportunities with some of these agencies. And I think the key word that people probably didn't hear there was nonprofit. These are all right. volunteers that don't yeah. get anything. They're just trying to help out, right? Correct. I mean, right now we don't even get reimbursed like for travel expenses. Like when, I mean, uh, the, the case of Debbie is more an effort under American Military University, but I've gotten some input from other case breaker members, but I haven't even, you know, I don't even get reimbursed when I went down to Lubbock and paid for my own hotel and all that stuff. So yeah, there's no money being made here. It's not a publicity stunt. You know, we just want to bring answers to these victims and their families. That's the number one priority. I agree with that. And, and it's admirable, you know, when you take all this time out of your personal lives and travel and try to try to help out. And, you know, that's more than what some people can say. So, yeah, I like right. it. I mean, you do the same thing. I know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. I mean, in, none of us are in, in this way. to make money. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think most of us are in the red. So. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm there. You know, I'm still working my regular <laughs> job trying to help out when I can. Yeah. You know, it's absolutely it's a lot of work. Yep. <laughs> How did the case breakers get involved with the Zodiac and the information that has been given to you guys? Well, what happened was a couple years ago when I was working Rebecca's case, I also wrote a series of articles. And one was on behavioral analysis as it applies to homicide investigation. And I had mentioned the Zodiac in my article. So a news reporter by the name of Dale Julin, I think he had like a Google alert set up anytime new articles would come out mentioning Zodiac. Well, he contacted me a week or two later and, you know, explained to me that he had been doing a lot of research on the Zodiac case over the past five or six years and that he'd actually written a manuscript and he thought that he had identified the man who was behind this series of homicides. And he asked me if I would read his manuscript and provide my feedback. And naturally, I was skeptical because lots of people, countless people have thought, you know, they've figured this out over the years. But I saw myself in him because 
one of his big problems was even though he had compiled a massive amount of information on a guy named Gary Francis Post, he couldn't get a meeting with law enforcement. I mean, basically nobody would listen to him. He continued to get blown off and he was hopeful that maybe I had some contacts in law enforcement that could be of assistance. But of course, the first task is having me review the information that he had put together. And anyway, so I said, yeah, send me the manuscript. When I have time, I'll take a look at it. So a few weeks later, I was on a overseas contract and I had a Saturday off. So I sat down and started reading it. And no lie, I read it all in one sitting. It, it was compelling. And I, I love his writing style too. It's unique. It's fun. But I got halfway through that manuscript and I mean, everything was making sense. And and I'm not a Zodiac expert by any means. I mean, and I grew up in that. That's my whole thing too. Like I have no dog in the fight here. I really have never gotten invested into this case. So <laughs> I can't recite to you every detail about this case. It's just not one that I ever went after. I mean, I've read about it. I read Grace Smith's book and stuff, but it's not something one I ever focused on. And so anyways, point being, I mean, everything he was laying out over the, over, you know, explaining through his manuscript, his years of research would just made total sense. And the brilliant part on Dale, this is what got me. He realized one night that all those taunting letters that Zodiac sent to the police and media are actually anagrams and they have to be decrypted. And over the years or decades, everybody's for the most part, just taken those at face value. And if you read them at face value, they don't say much, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're taunting, but it's, you know, they don't, they don't really give you any information about them. So Dale realized, or I guess I should say had an educated hunch that maybe these are anagrams that needed to be decoded. And the thing that Dale had that nobody else has had is Gary Francis Post's name. And he realized that that was the cipher key to each of these letters. And so uh, one by one, and I'm I'm telling you, this took years, but one by one, he tackled each taunting letter. And what he would do is, you know, take a blank piece of paper, basically, and write down every letter and number that had been used in that particular message, including the information on the accompanying envelope. And he would remove the letters of Gary Francis Post, and then he would take the rest and rearrange the letters into the actual message that Zodiac was trying to convey to police. And through that process, three of those cards or letters that he decoded gave him navigational instructions or directions to what we believe was an evidence site where Donna Lass's body once was. Um, and that, that was the, the clincher for me. When I read about his decrypting of these anagrams and then he took a trip up into the high Sierras with these instructions and followed them and came to this specific tree and, you know, in the exact spot, exactly as it was described in the messages and all that, I was like, that's it. I mean, there's just no other explanation in my mind uh, for (laughs) those letters and um, I guess Dale's research. And so in my mind, Gary Francis Post is most certainly the most, I would say the most likely suspect for being Zodiac. And how did how did they tie him to one of the victims who supposedly, if I read correctly, the sixth victim? Is that right? Mm-hmm. How did they tie yeah. him to that? Because I've heard a lot of words. I've seen a lot of, you know, forensics, you know, evidence and stuff like that. And there's a lot of people cl- that claim there's like there's no forensic evidence. The authorities said there wasn't blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So what are we looking at here? What? Is there anything forensically that that is out there? Well, we think so. So the victim you're you're talking about is Sherry Jo Bates. Um, she was killed in 1966 in Riverside. 
Um, Riverside Police Department has had jurisdiction over her case since she was killed and it's never been solved. There's a memo, which is actually out there, I think, on the Case Breakers website now. But there's a memo from many years ago from the FBI stating that they believed Sherry Jo Bates was a victim of Zodiac. And I think that's what sent Dale and the Case Breakers down that path. And then once we got more information about her murder, it, to me, it does make sense that she probably was a victim of his. So Gary Francis Post in 1966 was getting medical treatment at a hospital only 15 minutes from where Sherry Jo Bates was killed. So we can positively put him in the area at the time of the murder. That's one thing. He also took credit for her murder. And from a behavioral standpoint, he is not the type of guy to take credit for something he did not do. That's another thing in my mind. Thirdly, uh, during the scuffle of when he's killing Sherry Jo Bates, the killer lost their wristwatch. It broke and fell on the ground. I hope Riverside Police collected that and that they still have it. The watch was military style, bought from a PX nearby on a military base and had paint spatter on it. And at the time, Gary Francis Post had started his house painting business. So again, those are all circumstantial but there becomes a point where there's enough circumstantial evidence to, you know, to kind of point to someone beyond a reasonable doubt. And part of the reason we ended up going to the media is because Riverside Police has just been impossible. Uh, and I don't understand this. Uh, we have, well, not we, but Vallejo PD has Post's DNA, okay, because he was arrested in 2016 for domestic violence. Riverside PD reportedly has a DNA sample that's been unmatched that they collected from the Bates murder. We have asked them over and over and over again to please do a DNA comparison and either confirm or deny that Post killed her, and they refuse to do it. I don't understand why. They keep going to the media saying we are 100% sure that Cherry's murder had nothing to do with Zodiac, and I, that is an invalid claim because you don't know yet who Zodiac was. So yeah. that's an impossible claim to make. And we have a lab that will do the independent and accredited lab that will do the DNA comparison free of charge. Riverside still refuses. Why? Like if we are so wrong, you're convinced we're wrong, then prove it. Yeah. Do the DNA comparison and prove us wrong. That's fine. And it's just angering because I guarantee if Sherry's parents were still alive, she'd be jumping, they'd be jumping on someone's desk right now at that PD saying, do this comparison and get us some answers about our child's homicide. Yeah. And I, I just I do not understand the attitude of this this department. So interesting. Um, it's incredibly frustrating. And we try, again, we try to do this behind the scenes because we, we would much rather have law enforcement come out and say they solved it. We confirm this is the guy. We made a DNA match, et cetera, et cetera. They've also done an immense amount of work over the years, all of these agencies, and they deserve credit as well. And we tried to give them the opportunity to take that credit. And for whatever reason, they just, you know, like I said, they've just been impossible to work with. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of departments coming out within the last couple of days. And there's claims that they're denying it. This is a bogus claim. It's debunked, blah, blah, blah. But like we had talked a little bit earlier, they're not really debunking it. They're just not confirming no. it. That's correct. Yeah, those are two different, two different, you know, terms. No, law enforcement has not yet confirmed anything about Carrie Francis Post or our research or anything like that. We've handed it all over. I mean, they have every bit of it. But that doesn't mean that Gary Francis Post was not the Zodiac. Exactly. So, like you just said, they, they haven't made a claim in either direction. They're just saying it's still an open case, yeah. which it is. That's fine. Which it is. Yeah. And that's what bothers me about a lot of the people who have, you know, invested time in this independently. And they're out here. A lot of people, um, 
I, I think it was like three or four different authors, uh, all that stuff. And they're just like, this isn't the guy, blah, blah, blah. And here's why. I don't know. I think at a certain point people and get why? I'd like to know here's why. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, I, I was yeah, under the, sure. impre- I was under the impression that this is a, uh, you know, still an unsolved case. So technically your guy isn't the guy either. As of now, he might be a better Correct. theory in your in your yeah. mind based on your research, but you can't discount yeah. other possible theories or suspects. You know, that's kind of kind of bothers me a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's their own problem. I'm not. There's so many haters out there. I was like shocked at how many unprofessional, just rude people just yeah. throw out personal attacks within two seconds of reading a headline. It's like, wait a minute, you need to go review Dale's seven plus years of work. And the thousands of hours that have gone into this by many volunteers. And then you can come back and we can have a, you know, professional (laughs) debate, if you will. Yeah. But you don't even have, I mean, unfortunately, Dale's book is not ready to be published yet. It's at the editor. But the public does not have hardly any of the actual information that led to us believing post is Zodiac. Yeah. So they need to exercise a little bit of patience here. Exactly. Um, you know, the decrypted anagrams haven't been released other than uh, there's a little bit of information in the Tahoe Tribune article. Um, but there is so much more. It's it's going to come out. It's just a matter, you know, there, there's a process here, obviously. And here's the other thing. You've got the case breakers, right? You've got 40 professional investigators in some form or fashion with combined experience of hundreds of years, all putting their name and reputation on the line behind Dale's work. I think that should say something, not only to the public, but to these law enforcement agencies. You know, we're, we're not just armchair detectives. We're not amateur sleuths. I, I don't mind the word sleuth. I hate the word amateur because there's nothing amateur about us. It's what we do for a living. And, and you would think that that would carry some weight, that this many people, you know, are putting their reputation name at stake behind this research. So that, that escapes a lot of people. They, you know, they're just not thinking it through. That's exactly the point that I made to one of my friends. I, We were texting back and forth about it, and I was like, listen, I, first of all, this group of people is not going to even say a word to the media unless they are somewhat mm-hmm. certain. Nobody is saying that he's 100% the guy. No. Everybody no. is freaking everybody is freaking out right now. It's like, oh, this is just total bullshit and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, nobody... Nobody said that it's him. The headline said that. Like, read the article. Yeah. And you need to read many articles because they're very different. Now, it's it's been the first day sucked because everybody just copied the Fox News article. And and I didn't really think it was that fantastic. But now we've done a bunch. I mean, you can imagine how many interviews we've all done in the last 48 hours. And so there's more credible information being put out there. And, and now that some of these media outlets are going and doing their own research and adding to ours, which is great. The Tahoe Tribune article is probably one of the better ones that, that I've read the Fox news one. That was the first one I read. And I'm like, man, this is kind of trash because I read the headline and then read the actual article. And I'm like, why is this one like the prominent one? (laughs) You know? Because uh, they bit first, that's why. <laughs> I mean, we had before Wednesday, I'll explain this process. So it's been a couple weeks since it was decided that we were going to go public and October 6th was picked for whatever reason. And so there was a lot of prep work behind the scenes prior to that, <clears throat> us putting together a press release, including what information we wanted to give to the press. And then we had about 10 or 12 uh, different media outlets on board, but it was embargoed 
till Wednesday, meaning they had the information a few days prior, but they weren't allowed to release it till 12.01 a.m. on Wednesday. But they were all given the same press release up front. You know, we hadn't done any interviews. And so they just had that, that smaller press release in the beginning. And of course, Fox News was the biggest one. And everybody just sort of copied theirs. Yeah. But there's a ton more information out there. And like you said, go to the Tahoe Tribune and read that one because... Uh, the reporter's name is Bill, and Dale has been in contact with him for over a year and shared his manuscript with Bill under the agreement that Bill would not release anything to the public until the case breakers broke it. But Bill has inside information from the actual manuscript. He has photos that nobody else has. He was allowed to put out three of the solved anagrams that led to the evidence site up in the Sierras and that information's all in his article. So that's kind of like an introduction, I guess, to Dale's work. (laughs) So yeah, I would urge everybody to go read that article because you're going to get a lot more insight and it has nothing to do with Gary's forehead scars and stuff like that, (laughs) which I mean, is 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 a thing, but that's not, that's not at all how we came to the conclusion that we think Gary Post was Zodiac. It's (laughs) just just one little detail that matches up. Well, it's weird because once his name popped up, I started reading, you know, I started expanding and there's people from Gary's past that started coming out and speaking up on some Mm -hmm. of his personality traits and this, that, and the other. And they're like, you know what? Like, I could see that. I could totally see that because of he was not a very good guy, you know? No. And I mean, I guess you could call him the whistleblower. His name is Will. He's the one who originally went to Dale Julen with his information. But Gary Post was essentially his father figure growing up. Will's dad was out of the picture. And um, I mean, he spent decades hanging around Gary Post and hunting with him and and learning how to survive off off the land and off the wilderness and and all this stuff. And he's the one who originally brought the name to Dale. And the reason he did so is because Gary Post tried to kill him when he found out or when he confronted him about possibly being the Zodiac killer. Oh shit. And so, yeah. So um, Gary, he tried to smash Will's head in with a hammer and he missed, but got him in the shoulder and then Will just took off and he actually went into hiding and was homeless for quite a while after this whole event. And um, you know, he, he was trying to go to law enforcement first and of course nobody would listen. And then he was going to all these media outlets in the San Francisco Bay area and nobody would listen, but Dale did, you know, took a chance on this guy and uh, ended up, you know, (laughs) down this seven to eight year path or journey, whatever you want to call it since 2014 or so. So, so that's how the name actually first came to Dale. But I mean, this guy, Will, who's, you know, he's not gone, public at this time but um, I mean he has a ton of information on Gary Post and again that's just another aspect where when you when you learn everything that he's uh, provided to Dale it's like wow yeah that also fits so that is super interesting I'm looking forward to this but when is this book supposed to come out now <laughs> I don't know we had a <laughs> yesterday I'm like Tom when's the book coming out because everybody's just you know <laughs> waiting on it but we don't, we don't have a published date yet but I really hope in the near future. <laughs> yeah, because I'm Jen's over here being the punching bag for, for the media and social media, and it's like it's like why is everybody picking on her, man? Like she does great work, but she got an arrest in a case, le- you know, last year that she's been working on forever with Rebecca. And I mean, I was I was so happy for you, and obviously, you know, proud of of that because I know how long you had worked with the family 
family and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that's kind of why I took it personally. Cause I was like, you guys don't even know her. Like she's just the, she's yeah. <laughs> just the spokesperson here. Like why is everybody beating on her, man? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I made one post on Twitter and it erupted. And I'm, I mean, you can name names if you want. I don't care, but I was like, okay, well I'm done with Twitter now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not, I'm not even going to entertain this, you know? And that's where like these personal attacks came in. It's like, what? Yeah. I mean, I absolutely respect alternate points of view and I want people to be skeptical. I want them to go research posts and I want them to take these taunting letters now that they know the cipher key and try to decode them like Dale did and see if they end up where Dale did. Yeah. Please. I mean, it's okay to be proved wrong. I don't think we will be, but I mean, we, we do need alternate points of view, but my gosh, just be professional and courteous, (laughs) you know, don't, I mean, literally someone said, you just threw your whole career down the toilet. And I'm like, well, that's weird because I've got A&E calling about a show and a literary agent reaching out about a book. So I don't think I tanked my career yet. (laughs) Not yet, right? Wait wait till you get into podcasting, Jen. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Oh, man, it's a whole other beast all in itself. But uh, yeah, fortunately, it's like, you you know, you know, you know, the truth about the work you've done. It's same for you. You know, you always have haters when you're in this type of position. And and we we know the truth about the effort and time and energy we put into it. And that's all. Yeah, exactly. And and like I said, these 40 plus people are not going to stake their reputations on something that they're not at least confident about whether Mm -hmm. it lines up with other people's suspects, because as far as I knew, there were probably like two or three good valid ones and people argue amongst themselves about those. You know what I mean? Sure. So, yeah. And at the end of the day, as of right now, nobody's right. Nobody's wrong, you know? No, and exactly. That's what, we're, yeah. that's what we're trying to work towards. We really just want law enforcement to take a look at all of this information and do their own, obviously, investigation on post and do the DNA analysis and then come back and tell us what they think. Yeah, exactly. And like I've seen a San Francisco Chronicle, apparently for some odd reason, they're experts on it now. And, you know, and and I'm like, okay, like, where have you guys been the last, you know, 40 years? Now, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, this isn't the guy. And it's like, how how do you know? Like, how do you know? And rest assured we tried to get them on board or at least talk to us and of course they ignored us so of course yeah and like you just said i don't know how they think they're experts when they won't even (laughs) talk to anybody about theories so yeah exactly (laughs) oh man yeah i'm looking forward to that book i'll tell you that yeah you'll enjoy it i can tell you a little more about post i mean he was an air force radar man he was stationed uh i think at a base in indiana he drove drunk one night with three of his fellow airmen and got in a wreck and killed one of them. And he was also badly injured. I'm positive he had a severe brain injury. Several of his former airmen colleagues stated that his personality really changed after that car wreck. Mm. He was actually sent to Tool Air Force Base in Greenland after the wreck, after he recovered, but after that wreck, basically his punishment, and sat at a radar screen probably 12, 14 hours a day up there. And so we believe that Zodiac's little signature that he puts on all his letters with the circle and the cross through it is is probably representative of a radar screen. So he was actually giving a clue to his identity in every letter. I mean, there's several clues, but that's one of them. And something else of interest is that in, I guess, when you are transported to Tool Air Force Base for um, assignment, 
you know, you go on a large transport ship, but that can't dock uh, right at the shore. So they bring out small boats, which are called Zodiac boats and operate under the radar. They're not detectable by radar. And so that's one theory we have on how he came up with his moniker of the Zodiac killer mm. is maybe he kind of identified with these, like the name of the Zodiac boat and also the fact that they were undetectable. After Greenland, he was transferred to Vandenberg Air Force Base in California, and that's where he separated from the Air Force. And then he, you know, settled in the San Francisco Bay Area and started a house painting business. And that's what he did for the rest of his life. Interesting. He's paint houses. Yeah. You know, he's got five, I guess, five victims attributed to him in the San Francisco Bay Area. One is Paul Stein, the cab driver. And we uncovered information that Gary Post and Paul Stein had done business in the past, but something had gone awry. They had a dispute, and we think that's why Gary sought him out as a victim. And I also personally believe that, so for listeners who don't know, uh, the Zodiac Killer claimed Paul Stein, but he sent in a piece of Paul Stein's bloody shirt with the letter. And I think he did that because police were going to be skeptical that that was actually a victim of Zodiac's. And so that was his way of proving that he'd been at the scene and committed the murder. In one of the decrypted anagrams, this one has not been released yet, but one of the decoded anagrams that Dale did, Zodiac actually states that the kill of Paul Stein was personal and the others were not. So, you know, there's just there's just so many more interesting details that are going to come out about this guy. But I truly believe most people that read Dale's book will probably, you know, be along the same line of thinking as we are. Yeah. That this this guy probably makes the most sense as having been the Zodiac. And and you know exactly what people are going to say after they hear that. They're like, <laughs> oh, trying to sell a book. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah well, well, I will plug Dale's book for him because he deserves it. I mean, he did all this work, and I don't get anything out of it. That's his book. Yeah, true. Um, so, yeah, I will. Absolutely. And guess what? If you did seven years of research and wrote a book, you'd want to plug it, too. So. No, absolutely. There's, and I mean, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. buy it. And yeah. here's the deal. If, yeah. if, if you're claiming that, um, you know, somebody's just in it for the money and trying to sell a book, I would sure as hell hope that you haven't written a book on it either. You know what I mean? Or or anything about yeah, exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Pot calling the kettle black. Yeah. And I've had, you know, I've had several reporters say, well, no one's ever heard of this guy. He was never a suspect. Well, duh. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a master manipulator. Of course, he's not going to be on anybody's radar. That's why he got away with it. Yeah. I mean, Ted Bundy wasn't on anybody's radar either till the very end when he was like spiraling out of control running across the country on, you know. Yeah. Oh, after yeah. he escaped jail, but he wasn't on anybody's radar. I mean, he's sitting <laughs> right next to Ann Rule in the suicide hotline awareness place or whatever, volunteering right next to her as she's writing a book about this unknown serial killer. And here he is sitting right next <laughs> right to her. Right next to her. So, yeah, there's an analogy right there. Oh, no, it makes total sense that this guy was never on anybody's radar. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Was he was he known as an intelligent man? Yeah, I mean. No one's described him as dumb. I mean, strange, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I think he came across as intelligent. I don't know that he had any like college education or anything, but that's, you know, obviously doesn't define one as being t- intelligent or not. Mm-hmm. But I-, I would say to be successful in cryptology, which he was trained in in the Air Force, you know, you have to have some smarts about you. Yeah. I-, I don't know that I could do that. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I could, I don't have the patience yeah. for that, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've tried to help Dale some on some of these anagrams, and it's like, I, I might have helped a little bit, but it, it just flusters me. You know, you get sucked down, <laughs> you get sucked down the rabbit hole for an entire day, and then you're like, 
did I actually accomplish anything on this? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, yeah, that's uh yeah. I'm glad there were a lot of clarifications in this interview and that's like one of the things I wanted to like get down to the to the brass tacks mm-hmm. of it, you know. It's like let's clear some things up real fast and like you know, get get down yeah. to the bottom of it because the the Rolling Stone article, I believe, was, you know, there was an author quoted in that and I read that and that was that was brutal. I'm not going to lie. It was brutal. And I was yeah. just like, wow, man, like everybody's so sure that this guy is not it, but yet they can't prove that he's not the guy or yeah. they can't prove that their guy is the guy. So it's like, why is everybody? I know. I don't know how they can make that claim. Yeah. They're, they're accusing us of making a claim, which we're not actually making, Yeah, <laughs> but then they're making just the same type of claim. So yeah. it doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Gotta love it. Um, yeah, so it's been an interesting journey for sure, and it's it's going to continue continue to be. I just hope law enforcement will will at least speak with us. Well, hopefully, hopefully we can get the word out more and and you know try to help. And I can see a side of law enforcement being like, "Oh, great, this is the ten thousandth freaking person that's been yeah, brought to our sure. tent." I could see that, <laughs> but when you have a group of people, a guy who spent seven years going in on this, and you have this huge, massive nonprofit group of people who are like, no, you need to pay attention to this. You would think that they would mm-hmm. take it a little bit more serious, but yeah, I think they're going to have to, at some point there'll be enough, you know, public pressure. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. By the way, I'll put a little call to action out there. Um, so the 340 cipher that was decrypted, I think last December by those three guys who were brilliant, by the way, I did have a very short interaction with one and, commended him i said you guys i i totally think you decrypted it thing is that everybody needs to know it's got to be decrypted one more time it's an anagram and that's something that dale's been working diligently on all year and i've tried to help but again i don't really know if i've been a helper (laughs) but you will find you will find gary's name in the last third of that and then there's a song lyric which is part of his pattern there's a song lyric in the first third and you know we're trying to figure out the rest but if anybody out there is really good at anagrams give it a Give it a go and let us know because we would like to figure out what that one says. And again, from a behavioral standpoint, I've discussed this with Dale at length. It's like Zodiac had to know that the 340 cipher was the most difficult one that he mailed in. I mean, it didn't get cracked for 50 years. Yeah. And so I personally feel like there's something super, super important in this anagram. And it's it's not just his name because his name is in all of them. Um, there's got to be something else that he felt was so critical, you know, to put into this most difficult code to crack. So yeah. I don't know if that'll give anybody any ideas, but <laughs> there's a lot of sleuths out there that probably wouldn't mind a little bit of a, you know, attention for, for yeah. cracking a cipher. Yeah, know? exactly. Exactly. Help us out. It's you know, like, we're yeah, not, I got free time. Know. Let's go. Yeah, go, go for it. You know, the cipher key now. So, yep. Yeah, and it's his full name, first, middle, and last, correct? That's correct. And his last name is Post with an E at the end. So make sure to take that extra E out. All right. Well, uh, Jen, why don't you plug what you're what you're working on again and um, your upcoming podcast, if you'd like. Sure. Again, uh, right now, the, the case I'm focused on is Debbie Sue Williamson out of Texas. Please join our Facebook group. It's called Unsolved Murder of Deborah Sue Williamson. Um, George and I really encourage people to brainstorm and engage in discussion on there. And, you know, we just like we did with Rebecca's group, we post items for discussion every few days. 
And then um, George's podcast is called Diamond State Murder Board, and he's done some coverage on Debbie's case. And my new podcast is called Break the Case through American Military University, and it will be released in the very near future. Although it's covering the same case that George is covering, it's an extremely different format from his. So we're hoping that people will bounce back and forth between the two different podcasts to get the full story. And yeah, if anybody ever has questions, reach out to me. You know, you can message me on Facebook or whatnot, and I'm happy to answer questions or discuss things with people. All right. I appreciate you finding the time to come on. I know how busy you are. And when I texted you Wednesday, you're like, yeah, I want to do it right now. And I'm like, well, shit, I got to go to work. Like, I can't. I <laughs> I wish I, I almost called in. I literally almost yeah. did. I was like, I'm not ready to just skip work today and get this done. But no, I wanted, I'm glad we waited a, yeah. a few days just because there's, like I said, the Tahoe Tribune has a great, great article, which is, mm-hmm. there's more information. It's more in depth. And I, I, it just makes me mad that people saw that Fox News article right up front and saw the headline yeah. and they're like, oh, literally day one, call, everybody calm down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, take a breath, you know, let us explain. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, I appreciate you having me. You know, your podcast was the very first one I ever did an interview <laughs> on. Ever, ever, yes. I mean, ever. So, you, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You started my podcast career, I guess. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll take so. that as a, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> I, damn it. <laughs> I sure did appreciate that at that time because we were, we were trying to get more coverage on Rebecca's case and you really helped. So, thank you. It's what I'm here for, you know, just, I know it's not much, but if I can help in any way, that's what I'm here for. Absolutely. So. Same here. Oh, awesome. So. And let me know. And I, like I said, I know you're busy. Let me know when you have time to look through that stuff that I sent you. Yep. I had it open this morning, Pretty actually. wild stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of red flags in that. So yes, we can discuss is. that offline. Well, thanks, Justin. Really Thank appreciate you, it. Absolutely. All righty. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. <laughs> okay. Take care. All right. Bye. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.